The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to Dunked On. Got a chock-full show here. Now, now that we're only doing two days a week, I've actually had time to start diving into some draft film more, again, even with the, the COVID pod as well. So we're going to talk about Onyeko Okongwu later, center out of USC. Got a little bit of news to get to uh, as well. But first, we're going to talk about the best moves in the NBA, our favorite moves in the NBA. But first, first, I want to remind you to share this podcast on social media. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. We recently did a mailbag pod uh, for that. And you get, of course, uh, our show notes uh, when we can provide them as well. When it makes sense to give those, you'll get salary sheets coming into the off season when we have an idea of what the cap's going to look like. Of course, we'll be updating that. And just tell your friends about this show. Hopefully there'll be some excitement here with the NBA about to be back. So what is a move? That That is probably the first thing we should talk about here before we talk about our favorite moves. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that a, a good approach to take is that it is something specific that doesn't that doesn't take a ton of time that you can that you can practice the workout so it's not just innate like if it's innate then that's something a little bit different and if it's does that does that feel kind of about right to you yeah i think i mean it's something where you can practice it with your trainer where it's something that other people even could try to emulate although maybe they don't have the vision or the athleticism or the coordination to do it but it's something where you're like oh that's he just made a move. It's not like something that's going to take place over the course of an entire possession. It's a, a second or two. It's a combination within a, a, a few dribbles at most. It's a discrete move that either gets you open in that moment or gets a teammate open and something that hopefully in a lot of these cases captures the imagination. Of course, we will also be doing our uh, least favorite moves in the NBA <laughs> as well. So we just got a bunch of them here. I mean, I don't know if we're even going to, maybe we'll pick a, our absolute favorites at the end, but uh, I will give you the floor first to, to start. I mean, we've got probably like 25 of these we wanted to go through. I want to start with Giannis's Euro step because he is not the originator not in not in NBA basketball not anywhere but i believe that the way he has incorporated the eurostep is fundamentally not only somewhat transformational but also so much more devastating because of the ground he can cover both vertically and laterally and i think he does such a masterful job of using whatever space he needs to to cr- to create an avenue for a layup or a dunk or whatever and it's it's been so like it was it was remarkable a few years ago but the way that he has improved it is also stunning i'm just sad that the name euro step g-y-r-o step uh, it, has, has never really 
really caught on in the, the I, mainstream. I, it caught on decently. It caught on a little bit on Twitter at a couple points. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, well, and then there was the, the briefly the churro step from uh, Most Bates, which was also great. Uh, but no, I mean, it's one of the most unstoppable moves. Part of that is because he's got this head of steam going towards you, but he covers so much ground. He can use it going either direction. He's got so much length and explosiveness that he can dunk off the Euro step, which very few guys can do. You know, sometimes if you, for lesser players, if they do the Euro step, they've kind of, they've slowed down. They don't have the explosion. Maybe someone can come over for a weak size shot block. Uh, but I mean, basically when you're facing him coming down at you in transition, you're almost just like a goalkeeper facing a penalty shot and you just got to like guess and try to take the charge because he can cover so much ground. And obviously if you don't get in front of him, he's just going to go right up and dunk it on your head that way. So if you try to jump in front of him, then he could just step around you and he's moving so quick. I mean, that's, that's what it's like. You just like, you got to just dive one direction and hope to just get in front of him and fall down. It's, it's just probably the worst place in the NBA to be as the lone defender back on a break with Giannis bearing down on you. Absolutely. Okay. This one, Giannis obviously is, is a great player. And, you know, I, I think there's this idea that he's not like incredibly skilled just because he doesn't shoot it that well, but he definitely has uh, some nice moves. I mean, another one that I am a fan of is just his ability to back guys down and just like turn and dunk over them like Shaq style because he's got he can dunk with either hand he's got such length I mean he can really he can dunk like a guard accelerating the rim and attacking off the dribble or he can dunk like a big man from underneath it as well um what did you have as LeBron's signature move if you had to pick one I mean his signature moment is I and early in his career I, I love the chase down blocks you know that was and, yeah. and we'll talk about defensive moves a little bit separately and that is you know the definitive moment of his career is a chase down block yeah, but, yeah I mean defensive moves is kind of I don't even know if that counts but I kind of there's a few that stuck out that I like I, I mean uh, that one kind of does there are there are a few yeah. a few that that might and but I would go I remember years ago, and I'll refer to this a couple of times, uh, Jason Concepcion actually did a piece on kind of like signature moves, and he talked about LeBron's tomahawk dunks, which I enjoy. But I've, you know, going back you could like to my real GM days, I, I've always been obsessed with LeBron as a passer. And his hit-ahead passes are incredible, but the like driving and then driving and then passing it to drawing, it to, drawing help and passing it to the opposite side usually is spectacular. Yeah, he just throws it. It's on target every time. It's a thousand miles an hour. Co- opposing coaches even said, hey, we can't let him throw a fastball. You have to put enough pressure on him so that he can't pass it fast. That's yeah. like, like opposing coaches actually prepare for this move to say, no, we have to pressure him so that he can't like get as much steam on that pass to the weak side. And LeBron is probably the most prolific player there's ever been at setting up three-point shooters. And we've seen just how powerful it is. Just him and a bunch of three-point shooters around him makes like one of the best offenses that you're going to see. And so, and he's so creative with it too. And he can throw it along the baseline in sort of a hammer mode. He can drive the lane and find people. He can get in the air and still still get a ton of steam on his passes it's really that's one of my favorites i mean some he does have other moves uh like but they're like the step back jumper to his left that he kind of goes to in the late clock every time now like isn't really as effective except when he really has it going but a lot of times he'll miss that and he's kind of dribbled the air out of the ball so uh yeah and the dunk isn't as 
I mean, that's that's like something that you do when you're already in position for some style uh, rather than necessarily something that you're doing to free yourself up. So I don't think of that as a, a move as much. But yeah, I think it's that that weak side pass to the shooter uh, is something that he does better than anyone in NBA history. And it's really hard for other people to replicate it because they don't have the size. They don't have the strength. They don't have the vision. They don't have the accuracy. And it shouldn't be a surprise to people that my uh, obsession and frequent as it may be sometimes for pass velocity stems entirely from this like that. I remember seeing it and just feeling like shooters had more time to shoot when LeBron passes them the ball. And then I started talking about it with people like Seth and all that, and it became something I looked into a little bit. James Harden is another one. I don't love him aesthetically the way I do some of these other players, but his moves are absolutely devastating. He's known so much now for the step back, which is so deadly because he can use his body to knock off smaller players. It's actually interesting on on the perimeter. You'd think, oh, you'd want to have a quicker guard to stay in front of him. But he actually, because of that step back, it's better to have more size and maybe be a little slower because you're trying to get him to drive. That step back is so deadly that it just has caused teams to play defense in a way we've never seen anyone else. And part of that is due to Harden's other limitations that when he gets in the lane, especially now that he's lost a lot of athleticism, he's not as dangerous as he is taking that step back. But then you throw in the fact that he's perfected this way of moving his feet forward so you're terrified of fouling him and giving up a three-shot foul. And it's very, very difficult to prevent him from getting that off and also stay in front of him at the same time. Only the absolute best defenders in the league are going to be able to do that. And so that's one of them. Um, but well, he has and, I mean, one, the most too. the most yeah. effective move that Harden that Harden has is if we want to call. I mean, he does work on it, so I think it counts. Is feeling baiting a hand in and just drawing a foul on a drive. I mean, he that he is truly incredible at that, and it is a real foundational piece of his offense. I mean, that he is preternatural at baiting and then exploiting contact with his arms. Yeah, I remember at the Hoop Summit three, four years ago, Roy Rana, who is now with the Kings, Canadian coach, always was the coach of the world team. And when he was going through drills with some of the guys, including the Canadian guys, he said, he was telling guys, all right, when you practice this, pick the ball up to the three-point line as you're driving in and harden it. That's what he called it, harden it. And hardening it is you see someone's arms outstretched and so you extend your own arms as far as possible and basically like rip your arms up through that arm draw a foul then you still have control of the ball and you can potentially get a three-point play and it also it's just a great constraint play because now guys just don't want to reach in on you you don't have to worry about getting stripped but nobody really has done it as well as Harden D'Angelo Russell has tried uh but he doesn't quite have the driving explosiveness or the or the strength to retain the ball the way that's right yeah um Uh, so I wanted to ask you one there are there are a few different things that could be picked for for Stephen Curry uh including like there are some that are better aesthetically uh so I I have one that I that is my personal favorite but i want to throw it to you first yeah curry has so many moves that it is difficult to pick one i mean there's three or four that really come to mind for me but there's one that you think of as his signature well the one that i think of as as the best is the replace three it is and it is something he works on it's drill like i i some people say oh it's not no it it totally is it's something we see and especially the quick pass and then relocate the footwork on it is fantastic it's really challenging and it is so hard to stop because basically curry gives up the ball and you're like okay i did my job and then he's just moving just at the second he loses he gives it up he's already moving to somewhere else and to get to be the best the best shooter of all time and to be able to move like that off the ball especially immediately when you get off the ball makes him so much harder to defend than almost anybody else in the league yeah when he'll drive the lane give the ball up 
and then immediately sprint to the corner um and then the, the cousin of that too is the catch the ball pump fake take a step to his left and still shoot the three that he was one of the the first to do that a, a ton um he doesn't do this one as much anymore but probably the biggest signature when he was really running at his best in 2015 2016 is the crossover lefty behind the back dribble to his right and then shoot the three out of an iso situation that's another one uh, for him and certainly he's got like a ton of great floaters and just the really really deep three i mean i don't know if you would necessarily count that i mean there, there's a lot of things uh but yeah i mean there isn't just the one move but maybe that's part of what makes him so difficult is you can't really sit on one thing with him um I have what one. What about Kawhi Leonard? Oh, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, my I don't know if this counts as a move, but the thing for me is Kawhi's amazing ability to get wherever he wants. And so it's, I, I mean, I guess it's just like his but physical strength isn't really a move, but even just his mid-ranger is just a really tough shot to defend. Yeah, high high release using, I mean, I, I what I think about it is using the left shoulder or the right shoulder to just create enough space yeah. with his core strength to just knock the guy back enough. I mean, it's really, you just have to be so strong and so long and so athletic to even bother that jumper. And then this is something that he broke out, I think it was more just due to the injury that he had in his quad but now he goes for like that lefty quick dunk all the time like that's that's one where he had a couple of those with the clippers this year that big dunk that he had in transition i think it was at the end of game three against in the overtime uh, against the bucks last year that brought them back from the dead so that's that's another one that he's uh really added at this point one that i actually got obsessed with before he even played in the nba i was recording for real jam radio with sam vicini and he he told me just I, I think it was in the recording it might have been afterwards he's like sometimes just watch zion williamson do jump stops and when i watched the film on him like when we did our we did our prospect analysis i couldn't believe his legs didn't explode like it is the 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 force equals mass times acceleration part of zion williamson stopping as quickly and as violently as he does feels impossible yeah and to just change direction so quickly i mean the jump stop had kind of fallen out of favor a little bit in favor of the Euro step. It was really, the jump stop was more kind of what you did late nineties, early two thousands. Like that's like what I was taught when I was growing up in high school is like the jump stop kind of around guys and he's brought it back, but it's just because he can jump for, he basically can broad jump from one side of the lane to the other. Like that was what we talked about in our preview of him about this time last year of just, he would be like the world champion at the broad jump where you just stand in one place and jump as far as you can off of two feet uh yeah i mean that's that's ridiculous and, and i hope we'll see him find other signature moves uh, as well but even uh, at this point i mean that's the one where you're just like oh my god like he just covered so much ground he changed direction so quickly like everyone is completely wrong-footed man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone 
is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches everybody sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash cap space easy room slash cap space we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash cap space this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us here one that we've seen functionally end in nba finals is the kevin durant pull up to his left i mean that that was um i think that was the 2017 was it the 2017 and the 2018 finals that basically yeah kind of kind of yeah, hit the daggers on that was, exact like, shot? W- was super deep yeah and i it, mean it's kevin durant's jump shots are basically unguardable anyway but when he does it within the flow of like semi-transition it, I, it just blows me away yeah i think of it more as getting the ball on an iso one hard dribble to his left he likes to shoot the ball off his left hip he's much more comfortable going left although he's still you know he can still do it going right too uh just that one hard dribble to his left and pull up over the guy who just from like 16 feet that i that's what i think of more as his signature move yeah that's but more I, his signature yeah. i like i like the pull up three better but that's just just me yeah but, it, but no, you're I, right you're I, right that's like his bread and butter though is the mid-ranger yeah and i mean you know that's not it's not the sexiest move you know i mean maybe that's part of why K 
KD has never quite captured people's imaginations just from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to, t- to tweet us with another KD signature move, he did kind of invent the rip move years and years ago, uh, but he doesn't do that as much now. Chris Paul is now uh, now the rip master. Um, let's see, some, what are some of the other ones? This is one that I think people don't quite recognize yet. Luka Doncic is really still known more for that step back to his left. But I think actually the hesitation dribble, his change of speed is what really, like when he came back this year and you're just like, oh shit, this guy is getting by anybody he wants to in an isolation, even though he looks like this slow white dude. And it's just his handle and his hesitation and just his ability to stop and start. But it really is that hesitation where, and he plays off of that step back a little bit too, where as he kind of rises up a little bit with the hesitation, you think, oh, he's going to the step back. But he just like, he almost like puts these defenders on yo-yos where they're just like going back and forth and then trying to retreat and, and going forward again. And eventually, like sometimes he'll sort of do it three or four times as the gap gets larger and larger and then he's just able to blow by the guy i really just love watching him in an iso he's one of my favorite iso players these days because he really like he beats he makes guys look stupid out there going like three miles an hour and to be able to change speeds when you don't have that sixth gear is really important because then you can you can get guys off balance other ways and also Doncic being such a good passer out of those circumstances helps so if you so if you try to send somebody else well then he's going to burn that too and yeah Lucas hesitation is fantastic I'm really excited to see where 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 his game goes from here but yeah I, I think you're right that that was a real key to uh to to his growth let's go to um I would say so I I firmly feel that like LeBron is one of the best passers in the league and so is this other guy but Nikola Jokic is my favorite passer in the league and a lot of that is because he is a more he he's functional too like he's a great functional passer don't get me wrong but he is one of the more creative and kind of flamboyant passers in the league and he, he there are a couple of great ones that he throws but basically nobody else has the stones to to do the over the head no look pass to a cutter the way that he does yeah when he's in the post he draws all the defensive attention and he's just able to throw that sometimes it can be a bounce pass behind his back sometimes it can be just two hands over his own head to someone he'll like lob it out in space to the guy like he's a like it's a through ball in soccer uh it's really and you can see like he has a water polo background you see that with the way he handles the ball in his hands but also like when you throw a pass ahead to a guy who's swinging like that's kind of how you throw it in water polo and so he does that same thing on the basketball court i, I he's really he's up there in my my top five favorite passers ever to watch i would say it's really it, it's he may not be a top five passer ever he's the, the best passing center ever. he may not be a top five passer ever for any position but in terms of the entertainment value it's just remarkable oh let's stay on the passing big man theme and go to the last the last glamorous passing big man um is kevin love appropriately considering he's kevin wesley love named after the sadly recently departed wes unseld love is the best along with his former teammate lebron james outlet passer in the game i remember seeing him play in person in high school at when he was lake oswego played a game at ucla when he was considering i think he had already committed to ucla at that point and it was basically as good then as it is now and it was insane like he could he could he could he can also shoot it as a periodically he messes around with this he shoots it as a shot from the 
the opposite free throw line. And the, the speed, the angle, and the consistency on his outlet passes is just great. Uh, I mean, yeah, that two-hand outlet that's just all in his wrist. It's just, he's incredibly strong in his wrist. I remember one time he broke his hand playing when he was playing for the Wolves doing knuckle push-ups. Um, I'm not sure whether they, like that was part of his regimen to like make his hands really strong um but yeah i mean just the how far he can throw it and the touch i mean the the signature of that is a game a couple of years ago against the wizards and he's still playing with lebron where he takes an inbounds pass throws it all the way down to the opposite hash mark and lebron hits like a ridiculous fadeaway three off the glass to send it in ot uh but yeah I mean, or just go back and watch the highlights of Corey brewer scoring 51 points in yeah. a basketball game <laughs> when he was on the wolves yeah and and and, and love he also has a, a really good sense along with his teammates and this, the brewer one is a good example of this of of timing and and, and the moment with it and his teammates kind of they, they know that if they if they put in the put in the effort that they'll get rewarded if they're open and so that can you know like good passers can energize teammates for that exact reason and one of the first guys to benefit from that is uh loves college teammate russell westbrook and i like i don't know if it counts as a move but i just wanted to mention russell westbrook's grab and go because it is such a signature part of what makes him special but uh, do you think that counts as a move no nah, i think that's just it's too long it's not really something that you can like work on there's not let's just grab the ball and dribble down as fast as you can like it's it's uh i mean it's it's something that's awesome to see but i think it's it's too long and like russ really he doesn't really have any signature moves i mean maybe well, it's like yeah can, can we count the signature move that we saw in person when he got the inbound and just walked like 10 steps without ever taking a dribble i remember i was sitting i was sitting next to ethan and i was just like wait did he dribble and then they called it and then that was on like Shackton and all that other I, stuff i missed it because usually if there's nothing going on if it's just like they're bringing the ball up i'll like look down and like check some stat or do a tweet or something and so i looked up and like the warriors were taking the ball out of bounds I'm like what happened and then i saw uh, saw it and then when he was asked about it after the game was the best too i mean because this was in the you know the throes of the thunder trying to get revenge against the warriors after kd left uh, and russ wearing like the photographer's vest and stuff to try and troll him. and so he was asked about what happened afterwards and he just said travel <laughs> Uh, so Chris Paul is another one, both for good and for ill. We'll get to the ill in a little bit, but my favorite move of his is the yo-yo dribble. He's not the first to do that. And in case you don't know what the yo-yo dribble is, it's basically like, if you imagine your right hand on the right side of the ball, you pretend like you're throwing a bounce pass but you put enough spin on it that it'll go kind of go to your left, but then it'll spin right back into your right hand. And so he'll do that in the pick and roll where to kind of freeze the big man. Uh, and then he, when he was younger, he used to use it to get to the basket. A lot of times now he'll go to get to his other signature move, which is the fadeaway mid-ranger from the right elbow. A shot that has become a larger part of his repertoire now that he can't get to the basket as much. But the Paul's ability to create space despite being a small dude is so central to his viability at this point in his career. I mean, there was, I mean, I wrote a piece going back to the sporting news talking about how I thought the Clippers should trade him because small point guards don't age well. And there was this kind of undercurrent in of like, maybe he'll be, you know, the next John Stockton, the guy who has so much skill and also just works so damn hard that he'll be able to defy father time at least for a little while and he has absolutely done that we've probably gone too long without talking about Kyrie Irving who might be the player who most captivates people with his moves but somewhat like Curry and somewhat like another player we're going to talk about later he there isn't necessarily one signature that you can pick out it's the fact that he has 
every single move in the arsenal whether it's finishing whether it's getting open for jump shots whether it's blowing by guys putting guys in the mix that there isn't necessarily one thing that you can sit on with him uh but the two things that stood out to me i mean number one is the three-pointer going to his right kind of fading away i mean we've all seen it indelibly in our minds game seven in 2016 is the the typical example of that but he's just he's one of the few guys who's comfortable off balance going to his right taking a three-pointer he actually liked that shot to the point where the warriors defended him by making him go left every time because they did not want him to get to that shot which was so deadly and then the other thing that sticks out for me about him is just the spin that he puts on the ball off the glass that's my favorite of these makes i mean because because sometimes as you know like maybe it's because i identify with you know not super tall people and players but you have to use whatever is at your disposal to to create space and to create an opportunity and so chris paul we talked about that with the with the fadeaway and knowing how much room he needs and and neutralizing big men in that respect and Kyrie often does it through through spins and through angles and it's so much fun to watch yeah i mean he and curry probably use more of the space on the backboard than any players in nba history where they're just they're touching parts of the backboard that just are not meant to have the ball touch and actually go in um let's talk about the the guy i just alluded to john morant i'm not sure yet that i think of what his signature move is because again he's got so many he's he is doing stuff that really nobody else is doing and he's you know coming close to carrying the ball a lot but I can't really pick out the one dribble move that he has. I mean, there's sort of like the the inside out and then the crossover. I, there's some technical name for it that Schmitz recommended because he used to be a coach that he knew that I uh, didn't have in my head uh, that he'll do when he gets ahead of steam. But it's kind of just like an in and out uh, and then crossover. Um, but I mean, he just has so many of these moves that he's got the fake behind the backs I me mean, but he there there isn't any one that you can really sit on with him so he may have just about the most moves of anyone with a few other exceptions maybe but i couldn't really come to mind with a signature for him yet i don't have one either uh let's talk about your other uh, uh, the other young point guard kind of obsession trey young young also like i mean he ha- i think he has better ones also because he's uh been in the league for an extra year so we got we have a lot more film on trey um my favorite thing that he does um is the is when he can just completely wrong foot a defense by rejecting the screen and he's really good on timing it and as a great shooter and passer knowing what thing to do when he creates that advantage yeah absolutely i mean he can it's it's usually right to left and a lot of times it'll be when they run that set where he's about to go to his right off of two screens in a semi-transition situation and if the defense loads up on that too much he can either cross over and go to his pull up immediately or he can cross over and get to the rim where he's always going to make the right decision two other ones that really stick out his floater one of the best in the league and he's even able to draw fouls on his floater as well that's one that that really comes to mind for me and then another one is just a the creative angles that he uses to bounce the ball to the roll man he just it's not quite Jokic light because he's on the move but he just finds ways to just bounce the ball so that it just pops right back right up into the guy's hands and goes around four people um you know sometimes he even can like he pass had a pass last year between the legs of guys in the uh, some guy in the pacers to uh, the roll man for a dunk so those are the ones that stick out to me for him uh, there are a couple guys with good spin moves um the one that i always think of but i don't know that he's the best practitioner of it is andrew wiggins like I, maybe because it was the best yeah thing. i mean because that was the only it was the best thing he did time. for such a long 
long yeah, time. Yeah, right, right to left spin move was like the only move that he had yeah. when he first got in the league. Um, but no, I mean, and Giannis to me, he might be, we already said the Euro step for him. His spin move is awesome. But I think the guy who's most synonymous with the spin move now is Pascal Siakam. It's beautiful. And it's one of those things where, especially at the start of last year, if you were rooting against the Raptors, you'd be like, he's doing this every time. How are you not stopping it? And because he's just got such a nice touch off the glass, because he covers so much ground, because he's just so slippery. Like you can't, if you try to get a body on him and avoid getting back down he'll just spin right off of you immediately so yeah he i think he has the signature spin move in the nba right now uh off the dribble One of- man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm going to be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us i think we should mention uh even though it's not as notable now as it used to be and he's not the player he used to be rondo's pass fake it it was definitive for a period of time and also it's been adopted by a series yeah, of other the, guys the behind the back one right? yes yeah, Ja Ja is using that one a lot these days. Yeah, but he he was probably the. I mean, Jason Williams actually might have been the first guy to really use that a ton. There's also Gary the, the layup. The layup fake too, is actually. also another big Rondo one too. The what? The layup fake. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, because he's not because he's never going to shoot it, which is, which it. makes yeah. him getting guys so often fantastic. I was like um, Wade's Wade getting guys with his pump fake back when like you wanted him to shoot mid rangers. Um, how about Damian Lillard? What do you think of as his signature move the i mean i think of a specific play but it is also just a signature move for him which is the the couple hard dribble step back it's the shot that most notably you and i were doing the we're doing the cast when he waved goodbye to the thunder and i just I, I remember in that moment being like what the hell is he doing because they had all this time and he had paul george on him and he has so much confidence in that shot and knows how much space he needs to get it off that i think the dribbles set it up really well yeah that pound dribble step back to his right i'm not 
really sure what else i mean he's got step backs to his left as well but that's uh, there's not many guys who do it to their right effectively jason tatum is probably the other one that really comes to mind but he's he hasn't i mean that's kind of more of a bailout last resort for him at this point than for lillard who's really trying to get to that shot but yeah i mean and it's funny i i think about this i i'm probably at this point older than a lot of the listeners but back when i first started playing video games you know like late 80s early 90s there's a game called lakers versus celtics and every year they'd update it with the name of whatever teams were in the finals that year and on sega genesis and all the best players had a signature move in that game like there was the uh that was like for most of it, it was pretty much unstoppable there there was uh the tom chambers double pump two-hand dunk over mark jackson like all you had to do was just like get on the up whatever side of the floor was away from the the uh at the the far side of the screen and then just hit the shoot button and he would just do like this double pump dunk from the three-point line with two hands it's just completely unstoppable um like jordan had the reverse layup larry bird had this like really sorry turnaround that never went in (laughs) (laughs) um that in later years like tim hardaway had uh the utep's two-step crossover um that and so like you just had to get to a certain spot on the floor and hit the shoot button and then they would do like this animation of this awesome move that like never there's just like no way to stop it if you had like your center at the rim that you like couldn't block it uh so like I, i've always ever since that time i've kind of been obsessed with like with, with signature moves um what would you say so like yeah. when derrick rose was younger i always thought about his crossover has it shifted at all for him um i mean the one move that i really think of for him and he he had a lot of moves is the dribble hard as hard as he can left stop on a dime and then spin back over his left shoulder for a floater we don't see it quite as much there's a few other guys who do that move now but that was probably what he did the most back when he's good and he'll still do it on occasion but he can't quite create the same level of separation and he's also you know big men are are quicker guys just generally stay down a little bit better now than they used to so it doesn't work as well but he'll still break it out vintage style every once in a while are there any others that you want to make sure that we mention no i mean there's a few i mean just to quickly mention we have to uh shea gilgis alexander's scoop shot oh yeah that's a good room love that uh john wall this may be extinct now but his lefty dunks were just ridiculous you knew he was always going to go up with the left including that one where he went behind the back first and then dunked it one of the un- underrated playoff dunks ever oh we should mention oladipo splitting the pick and roll i think back to that um that game against okc where they victimized carmelo anthony but there are a bunch of them where he was spectacular with that yeah i mean he was would probably was the guy who could probably get the most acceleration of anyone from the top of the key out of pick and rolls for a short period again i hope this is another one i hope isn't gone uh but i i fear it might be um fun category there's a couple of these we mentioned that tatum step back to his right clay thompson doesn't necessarily have a signature move but when he really gets it going sometimes he'll just like have his feet like twice the width of his shoulders well behind the three-point line like not even facing the rim and just rise up like the the one that you think of most often is against russell westbrook in the fourth quarter game six in 2016 against the thunder where he's just you know 30 feet out at the top of the key and just like pulls it you just from a a position that like no human being should ever be shooting a basketball from it makes yeah he had one of those in the 37 that that's what i was that's what i was gonna bring up i I mean for those after traveling if you were for 
for people who, because that game wasn't on national TV or anything, I was actually living in DC at the time. Um, that I so I watched it on League Pass. That if you've never seen Clay's thirty-seven point quarter, take the time to watch it if you can find it during this during this hiatus before games get back because it is some of the craziest shot like shot taking and shot making that you've ever seen because he reaches a point where he's just like I'm just gonna take it as soon as I touch it and Sacramento just couldn't really do anything about it I think about that quarter a lot yeah defense it's tough to pick out specific are, are we gonna bring because... up Ersan Ilyasova taking a charge every single time he has the chance to see a body no no maybe, maybe that's under the, yeah the, that I guess best or favorite watch. it wouldn't qualify for either of those yeah but I mean because because it's react defense is reactive by nature I mean that's maybe that's part of why defense doesn't capture the imagination as much because there's just there's not as much variety in defense there's not as much of a chance for individual style you know you're not working on specific moves a lot of times other than maybe just verticality but like you know everyone is working on that so uh, it's hard to have a signature defensive play but some people have it lebron the chase down block which you'll still see every once in a while um what else sticks out of just some of the signature defensive plays out there he's a rookie but the matisse thibault lock and trail block from behind like he he's he can try to get the steal early and then if the guy gets past him he catches guys in circumstances because they just why would anybody ever be there and i love that play yeah, I'm looking forward to like years of Matisse Seibel defensive highlights. Draymond Green breaking up an alley oop on a two on one. That's one that that I think of. Uh, you yeah, saw he, that he's, so he's often. like the go- he's like the goalie who knows where the guy's going to shoot it every time. <laughs> Which is so funny because part of the reason the Warriors won the the 2015 title was because they couldn't read Draymond doing that same basic thing. Also, they played him to to drive too much to shoot and not to pass. But that's a separate story for a separate day. So this is one that. When I used to play pickup, it always vexed me because, you know, a lot of times whoever would be guarding me was you know like the fat guy who was out there you know the guy who was like maybe like 6 3 240 and you know at the time i was maybe like 6 6 215 so i was like way quicker than this person but they would always sort of just like bump me with their fat body and like knock <laughs> knock me off balance <laughs> and like you couldn't really call a foul because like you know in a pickup game like that because it doesn't really look like a foul like the guy's not really jumping he's not hitting you on the arm but he's kind of just you know he's still moving like he's definitely bumping you but like you can't really call it and so i mean marcus ol is an nba player and he's not like you know just normal person fat but for an nba player he's a little more corpulent and he is just the master of that of just holding his arms up yet still moving his fat body into guys as they're driving and knocking them off balance and making the miss while he holds his arms above his head and then you know if he ever gets called for a foul on it doing the uh the spanish Gasol brother incredulity act which is uh you know an, another one of my my favorites I, I bet that Joel Embiid periodically wakes up in cold sweats thinking about this exact thing <laughs> just incredulous um, Do, should we mention I don't even know if it's a specific thing but I mean John Wall and Dwayne Wade shot blocking from the guard yeah like, like the weak side shot block yeah. because they can cover so much ground and you just guys don't really expect them to do that because you just see like a small guard out of this out of your vision but yeah when they come over i mean wade's retired now wall you know may, maybe we won't see that anymore so uh maybe maybe those are living in the past at this point um should we okay. should we move to what everybody wants to hear most okay you know which one we have to save for last of course uh, uh so let's start but, let's start with um i mean we could pick a couple of things for chris paul but for me the 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 champion here is 
Chris Paul stopping and letting the guy run into him, which is oh Jesus, which is more in- that wasn't even the one I picked is the most annoying. But yeah, that might yeah, that, like in transition, the big man just like trying to jog back on defense, and Chris Paul just zigzags in and, front of him. And, and what makes it down. so infuriating is it is not a really a basketball move. It is also extremely effective, and it is always called in his favor because that's how the rules are constructed right now. Yeah, I actually saw him get called for it. It might have even been my hero, Mark davis who did it but i it was uh it was a great moment for me uh and uh, also just all of the like foul drawing bullshit that he does whenever they're in the bonus including like the rip through obviously that's uh when it's just clear that like you know the number one priority in his head is i'm gonna do this rip move and draw a foul as opposed to i'm gonna like help my team score a basket by putting the basketball into the basket the way naismith intended it's atrocious um in that same vein you can i mean most of these are just just like ridiculous foul seeking behaviors um jimmy butler has kind of devolved into this now where he isn't really trying to finish at the rim anymore he's just like barreling into people and hoping for a foul and he's got this astronomical free throw rate now not a huge fan of that on, on the foul drawing behavior but the other end of the floor i i draw a line between kyle lowry's charge taking and ricky rubio's charge taking partially because Lowry puts his body on the line all the time and it's just kind of a part of it rubio it seems like he only does it in the more cheapy circumstances and gets the benefit of, like it's not like the timing is bad it's just frustrating i mean it's just it's not a basketball play right i mean the, the one that's ridiculous is the big man rolling to the hoop not even involved in the play and he comes over from the weak side and the big man is like just looking over to see if the pass is going to come to him and ricky rubio just like stands in front of him and then falls down same thing with uh like a big man trying to run the floor in transition that's the one that actually bothers it. me more because i think it's more unsafe and uh staying in phoenix we can add to that uh the deandre ayton oh my god this ball must have just come out of an oven that was 650 degrees oh, no. mid-ranger oh i remember that pissing me off when he was in high school <laughs> he shoots it so fast uh also kind of in that same vein uh, another big man who never ever draws fouls nikola vucevic and his hook shot where like you you watch him shoot that one time you're like oh yeah now i understand how you have like below a 10 percent free throw rate because he'll get into the post and he doesn't have the longest arms but he's got like this big body like you would hope that he could use it to like carve out space and get it off by like creating space with his shoulder but instead he'll just flip the ball absolutely as quick as he can into a hook shot with either hand and sometimes he'll pivot back either direction with it but it's i'm just like yes like every time i see it i'm like yes this is why you are not as efficient as you could be in all but one season of your career speaking of tall dudes who can't create enough space Kristaps we're seeing his post-ups yeah i mean this is one where he's just he's not strong enough to get separation the guy gets under him i mean even if he's being guarded by like you know drew holiday or something he just he isn't strong enough to hold his ground and he can't can't really go over his left shoulder either it's only right shoulder he can't face up and drive by the guy he can't back him down so they just throw him the ball in the post and his only option is to just like turn and shoot it and he doesn't even really shoot like a fadeaway to give himself a clean look either so he's just like he's getting bodied he shoots it i mean it's it's just another one of those examples of like yes this is the move that makes you like not an efficient post player um it's a little less frustrating than booch because i'm not sure what else porzingis could be doing other than just not
not posting up, which good job by the Mavericks to not get him to do that. Yeah. Um, if only if only journalists talked about that more. So one more here before we get to the piece de resistance. DeMar DeRozan's pump fake. Oh no. This is probably one of the more effective ones on this list at times, especially in the regular season when he really has it going for mid-range. But the thing that you always miss with him is what happens when it doesn't work. Because if you take a couple of dribbles, pick up your dribble and pump fake and it doesn't work, now you're stuck. You can't get your shot off. No opening has been created. A lot of times, once you pick up your dribble, guys will start denying your teammates on the wing. So you don't even really have like an outlet. You haven't drawn the, a second defender to pass it. So at best, you're forced to just kind of like loop a pass out back again. And you, you know, he's not known for being very decisive to begin with. And so usually you've wasted all this time on the shot clock. You pump fake. It doesn't work. And now you're stuck and you throw your teammate a flaming back. I remember we were doing a live show. Show. I think it was during the 2018 playoffs, and I was just going completely insane on this because, like, this, so there are two parts. Like, one, when it works, it, it, it's almost always the defender screwing up because DeMar DeRozan taking some, he's, you know, better mid range shot shooter than most, but yeah. still, like, you don't need to do that. And then getting burned on it. I think that might have been in the in the Pacer series. It might have been, it might have been the year. Anyway, it happened. Well, I think everyone knows what this last one is going to be. The Mason Plumley hook shot led to the greatest moment in NBA cast history where I he got the ball in the post and I was like, he's not going to shoot it, is he? And then as he shot it, I said, oh no. And then as the ball hit the baseline after having gone at least three feet short and three feet to the left of the rim, I said, oh no, again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just, it, it, it. everyone knows what like my frustration level is with Pumley and how he always demands the ball in the post how he tries to he doesn't have any moves he can't make the free throws if he does get fouled he's posting up and therefore like taking up space so you don't have a choice but to throw it to him in the post it's uh it's an aesthetic disaster after what happened this offseason should we be resigning ourselves to the possibility that the warriors sign him in the offseason oh man wow that would i mean i'm sure he's a very nice guy it certainly I, appears I, that way i may just have i mean it, with coronavirus we may not be able to do this anyway but i may just have to like never talk to him in the locker room because i just like the cognitive dissonance it would create <laughs> oh man at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, let's, uh, let's do some scouting here, Danny. Give us the basics on Onyeka Okongwu, who uh, announcers, including Bill Walton, because he may not have been able to pronounce his name, called Big O, uh, center out of USC. The best measurements I could get on Okongwu, six foot nine with shoes. That's important. Uh, 245 pounds, seven one wingspan, around a nine foot standing reach. Um, I talked with Sam Vecini about this. He said Okongwu's measurements, like just the pure physical, not lateral and all this stuff, is kind of similar to Bam out of bio. I think that if you kind of want to get that in your brain, he's already 19. He turns 20 in December. So his rookie year will be his age 20 season. Okongwu played at Chino Hills with all three ball brothers, was a five-star recruit, uh, number 20 for ESPN, number 30 for rivals, and then played a single season at USC before declaring for the draft. So yeah, you mentioned Bam out of bio initially, and that's the comparison that's being made. Uh, Okongwu is being talked about as potentially the best big in the draft, James Wiseman is his competition he's a 
definitely undersized as you mentioned you know that nine foot nine one standing reach for a center that's undersized there's some who think that he can play the four i've got a little bit more skepticism about that than most but i i think the bam comparison is not a fair one to him because he just doesn't have that type of nuclear athleticism he doesn't have that type of strength uh he doesn't have the type of ball handling ability that bam had um you know bam is developed as a passer you know i don't think people really thought of him as a great passer back in the day and i think a would is going to be a decent passer um maybe not quite at bam's level but a lot of that system too they're going to run stuff through him um but he's just like bam and abayo is one of the best athletes in the nba a is not going to be yeah the way that i thought about this was if the people anybody who thinks that a has like really high upside i think you're betting on an anomaly no it can happen but it's the same problem the, the anomaly being bam yeah the anomaly being bam it's the it's the the idea of people thinking that somebody was the next draymond green when the reason there is another Draymond Green is that it is exceedingly unlikely to find somebody with his full combination of attributes both physical and mental and Bam isn't quite the same thing as Draymond but it's a similar idea that you take so like another comparison kind of physically for frame and all that for Kong Wu is Montrez Harrell if you run the simulation of guys with that kind of that base you're gonna get a lot more Montrez Harrells defensively than Bam out of bios yeah I, I don't know if I see the Harrell comparisons I mean Harrell is like six five with like a seven four wingspan and he's also another just an incredible athlete as well i mean one place i do see the comparison is great offensive rebounder not an amazing defensive rebounder. yeah that, that that's part um, of it for me too but but i i i think his defensive instincts are much much better than right Harrell. yeah um, uh, some, something that struck me early in a kongwu's in in his video was that i think he does verticality pretty well already and he thinks like a rim protector most of the time i think that's a good thing you know like he's more concerned about the guys going to the basket the ball going there than pick and pops there are times where he would leave a pick and pop big man just wide open he just wouldn't care but I would rather have somebody go that direction and then you kind of get them more comfortable moving out rather than the other way because it's kind of like he knows what he does well and he's pretty good at it. Yeah, I think he can be an effective player in the NBA. I think he could be a solid, maybe maybe even a starter as a center. I do worry. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest appeal for him is the potential for a rim protector who also has quick feet defensively. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the that's the sexy part about him is on the defensive end. You, in, when you're trying to think of what's going to excite you about him in theory would you agree with that yeah and and a note that i had was that when a kongwu whether it's a smaller guy or a bigger guy when he gets his body on someone with the ball so he's engaged i thought that he did a good job whether it was a bigger guy or a smaller guy i had some some misgivings in terms of the motor ran a little bit hotter and colder than i like for for somebody who you think of as a defensive first guy and he you know bit on a few extra pump fakes and things like that but the building blocks there are better than better than most guys and i I liked a lot a lot of that overall yeah you know i mean let's talk about that switchability which you started to allude to and i think of it as solid but not unbelievable sure um in an iso you know if i watch this iso possessions i i felt that guys were able to get their jump shot off on him you know he doesn't have that crazy wingspan only seven one wingspan um you know he really is kind of more power forward size there's guys his size who've gotten by at center certainly in the nba uh, but you know i didn't see him as like you know surprising guys with his length in a one-on-one yeah, situation he, he did it he perimeter. did it on drivers i thought that you saw yes, his length affect yes. drivers really well but you're right that in those switching circumstances or when he was out on the perimeter it just didn't work as well yeah and i didn't think he's 
he's you know I, I like his he's one of these guys who doesn't look like he's moving that fast but yet can cover the ground I think more in you know he's not getting deep into a stance to where he's going to take a bunch of slides laterally with a guy and stay with him I, I thought that his quickness is more kind of short area more upright like take a couple of steps over towards a guy who's just drove and surprise him with his quickness in that yeah, way like like what you would know? have been a power forwards weak side shot blocking before the three before the corner three became as big and they had to cover more ground yeah that, i think that's right so you know switchability are you gonna be like hey let's uh let's throw this guy on you know a pascal siakam or something like that you know or we can really or throw him on a Giannis. you know is he gonna have those type of physical tools um no I, I don't think so i mean and, and it's interesting i mean you know bam went 14th i, I i'm guessing that a congo is going to go higher but this is a, of course this is a worse draft but you know bam wasn't known as you know, people questioned his motor a little bit back at that time which is amazing to think about when you read like that piece that zach lowe wrote uh, about bam for just like how driven he is and people didn't know that he had the the passing but what bam was was just this absolute like nuclear athlete and that's that's just not what a congo is i mean let's talk we can talk a little bit about his rim protection um um, what stood out to you there? You mentioned that you, you liked his verticality. Yeah, his verticality um, and his timing. I, I thought both of those were were pretty good, not amazing. And like he has he, he has decent functional length. I, I think that you know like he could affect especially like smaller drivers. I thought that he did well there. But what really concerned me, and I would kind of classify this sort of as a rim protector, was he is so much smaller than Biggs. And so the the game that uh, that I focused on with him, where I, where I really zoned in, and I, I chose this game deliberately, not knowing really how it turned out, but just there aren't that many potentially NBA caliber bigs, especially in the Pac-12 this year. And I wanted to watch the game against Washington. It was the only time Okong Wu faced, uh, faced Isaiah Stewart, uh, a UW's talented big. And Stewart is not you know like, he's not this unambiguous nba big man he's not even like for me what like Jakob pertle was as a, as a prospect for a couple of different reasons and i thought stewart ate him up uh, offensively, just a Kongwu. Sometimes he didn't compete as much. Some he just also got overpowered, which yeah. is something Stewart and, can and, do. And Stewart, who we haven't watched yet, but his reputation is basically one of the hardest playing guys. Yes, and we saw that at the Hoop Summit last year. Absolutely. Uh, so, and, and he's also strong. He's strong. He's bigger and stronger than a Kongwu. He is, but a lot of NBA big men are going to be bigger sure. and stronger than a Onyeka Kongwu. Yeah, I, I mean, like if you're going to ask him to guard Joel Embiid or Jokic, you know that or Carl Anthony Towns in the post, you know, I, I don't know that he has the size to well, do that. I, I think he's going to have problems with, yeah. like, Valanchunas. You know, like the the guys who yeah. know what who know what they do and can and can work hard, which which is weird because like we're seeing those guys. So like it's possible that a Kongwu kind of gets played into more viability because those guys are in certain circumstances if they're not insanely good are getting played out a little bit. But that is still a real concern that he's in some ways worse defending his own position than other positions. Yeah, and I mean defending the post means more now probably than it did five years ago because you do have these players who are actually really good at that now in which you didn't have five years ago at the center position so yeah that, that's a good point i mean i think he the numbers are pretty good sure uh as far as defending the post and i think he's his timing. you mentioned his length which is not amazing but his timing and just how quickly he gets his hand into position is really outstanding like that's a big part of how he surprises guys and his block rate is solid solid not unbelievable for a college big man prospect but 
9.3% block rate. That's two point block rate. That's pretty good. Um, you know, he did impress there. I thought that his instincts, although he did have a few lapses where he didn't come over compared to most college big men, I thought he was well ahead of the game in terms of his recognition getting over. Um, and he's not gonna, he's not the type of nuclear athlete who's gonna like go get shots in the air well above the rim. You know, he, he's not really capable of just like doing a bunch of goaltending, for example. But yeah, I, I mean, he can get these blocks that, you know, shortly after the ball is out of the guy's hands because it's just his hands are that fast. Uh, you know, a decent steal rate as well. So I, I think I think he could be a solid defender. I don't think he quite has the physical tools to be a game-changing player, though, um, uh, on defense, at least. I think he could be very solid. And I think the the, the guy who kind of comes to mind for me with him, who and this guy has a little bit better physical tools in terms of his strength and uh, measurables, but I think he could be you know a Wendell Carter-esque defensive center. That was kind of the comparison that I had a little bit. Kind of above average, you, but not elite. I, I think I like Carter better, but in that vein of like not as highlighty, but still solid. Yeah, I think that's I think that's generally pretty reasonable. Um, and I do like I think on both ends, I thought he showed a very good understanding of what they were trying to do schematically. Yes. Um, it, you know, I, and there are times when I thought he was a good communicator. He was able to point guys around. You know, after like say, in the chaos, after his team gave up an offensive rebound or something, he's able to help communicate get guys straightened out so i think he's gonna be a smart player for a long time but yeah i mean it's really it's tough for me to see that kind of nuclear defensive upside like the theory of him well is good yeah i want i want to say one thing i and i would need to watch more film to feel confident in this but i had a note at one point when i was watching the uw game about it seemed to me like he was a better he had better reactions than instincts and that I, his knowledge level isn't bad, so maybe that translates into instincts eventually. But if if I'm right, and it is that he's you know he's good short area quickness, better as a reactor, that can be a problem because the NBA is just it's it's another couple of notches faster and taller and everything like that so your reaction times have to be so tight that that might end up being a little more of a problem for him then than it was at college oh and we should also mention like you, you this came up when we were talking about the comparison with harrell um uh, for me it was defensive rebounding was it was another legitimate concern of mine he he doesn't box out as aggressively enough he doesn't seem like he's really trying at any at any specific goal and as he was often playing him alongside another big man and they in those lineups just didn't do a good enough job getting rebounds yeah overall their defense was pretty good it was 32nd yes. in the nation um in points per possession he also is still only only 19 doesn't turn 20 until december 11th this year so he's definitely a young player i think it's also important to remember too i mean there's not that many freshman big men that you're gonna look at in terms of instincts where you're just like oh man this is unbelievable like it does take time yes for most of these guys and so I, on the curve of freshman bigs that we've looked at you know i think he's certainly above average in terms of his defensive instincts yeah the defensive rebounding not amazing um you know not a great box out guy only 19 percent defensive rebounds that's pretty low for a, a big man prospect you mentioned he was playing with a, another big but it wasn't watching the film i wasn't like oh man he's doing this unbelievable box out job and then you know robin lopez style or something like that um let's turn now to the offense and again i think the athleticism aspect is good but not great you know and i started to say the theory of him is like oh he's like bam out of bio he can switch and he can go get these alley-oops uh, and he, he's uh, got great feet and he's got really good help instincts and he can do all the little things and you know i, I think that's true to a point but 
he just doesn't quite on film have the pop that you need to be that type of player like going to get alley-oops for example right like you're not throwing him an alley-oop right at the corner of the backboard right at the top of the square and he's going to go get it to where you know nobody else you're not throwing him an alley-oop and it's like oh yeah nobody else is going to get this the, the way DeAndre it, Jordan. it is with bam yeah yeah you know I, well i mean yeah deandre jordan might be <laughs> there's not not many yeah guys i was just going to the extreme him, uh, but sure, yeah, sure. and so the way I the, and this is very deliberate. The way that I watch film um, for for prospects is uh, I deliberately watch a lot of video before I check the stats. And I, you know, there were things that I liked. I thought that he, you know, he he was he, he, this this touch. I, at first, I was more skeptical than when I watched a little bit more film. It seemed a little bit it seemed a little bit shaky in the early going. Um, you know, pretty good instincts as a role man. And so I was like, you know, like okay, not terrible, not not amazing. And then I saw that his you know the efficiency stats were really were really incredible i mean 65 percent true shooting on 20 24 usage 31.1 per though that's not purely offensive and so i i so that made me want to watch a little bit more and i kind of went in the realm of like okay some of it was better you know it's a small sample when when i started out and everything like that but another part of it was when he's facing better opposition i think some of those cleaner looks are going to go away yeah and that's uh, both defensively and offensively i think there are aspects of his game on film where you're like i don't know if this is going to hold up against more athletic players and, and again you know they say oh man this guy like his stats are awesome uh you know it's just that he wasn't that high of a recruit that's why he's being underrated and james wiseman gets all the hype but like this you know it, it plays into a lot of things that you and i would normally be like yeah like that's the that's the guy nobody knows about this guy and it just didn't quite reach that level on on the film for me so for example in the post post up numbers are unbelievable um and but he shoots this hook shot where he kind of likes to probe around a little bit with his back to goal and then just try to get a shoulder past the guy and shoot you know not like a good extension hook shot but just kind of leaning past the guy a little bit he's got left and right-handed hook shots shot a very nice percentage on those not like an unbelievable free throw rate you know it's not like a power post-up game where he's going to get fouled a ton you know he's not really creating contact on a lot of these moves um well and like but those hook shots you know i don't see that being a huge weapon in the nba unless it's against a smaller player exactly and yeah so i'll give some of the stats on it 1.13 points per possession on post-ups that's 94th percentile per synergy and i didn't see that level of he didn't beast guys very often and also remember he was playing a lot of times because he was playing power forward at sc it's not like he was going against what we would think of as his peers in the nba he's going against smaller guys and still often isn't beasting them i did like a kong Wu's, uh spin move out of the post it was interesting i thought it yeah. could be it could be a, a go-to of sorts for him in the pros he'll get more but I, that was something that i did really like and it was largely the same for me as a role man again the numbers are good 1.12 points per possession almost all his role man didn't really do much pick and pop and like he did well on a very small number of spot ups though those were basically all drives it wasn't spot up shots it was spot up drives because that's how those are classified on synergy but again when you watch the film it's certainly all functional you know and and that's a better place to be than a lot of guys but there wasn't creativity there wasn't dominance it was it was him being good at the things he needed to be good at to be efficient in college yeah i thought he did show some potential as a short role guy mm-hmm. i think he had a really good understanding of 
of you only average one assist a game but i think that's an aspect of his game that could grow in the pros you know i I saw him make the right decision on the short roll a fair amount of time also in the two big system he had a really good understanding of when to flash into the high post to create passing angles had some good high low plays with the other big so i think you know they didn't do much like the dho game but i think he can be competent in that in time again i think he had a good understanding of what they're trying to do yeah and he'll have more space to operate he'll have tougher opponents to operate against but he'll have more space to operate in the pros just because more teams play you know different alignments that i think could be could be favorable to him there was like one play in the uw game where he he did what would have normally been an intuitive cut but became a caspi cut because he drove right into he, he cut right into a teammate who then it kind of stalled the play but kongu didn't do that very often a couple other things that i thought i think are notable to talk about with him more you know one is both ends of the floor i like the way he changes ends I thought that offense to defense and defense to offense, he generally played pretty hard. That will be exceedingly important for him in the NBA, really whatever role he gets in, because that can create advantages, that can help short-circuit opponent fast breaks. And then the other one, which was something I noted early on, was I actually think he has a pretty smooth set shot. He didn't take it very often. He only took 16 shots from 17 feet or beyond. It didn't take threes at Chino Hills either. And when you consider how many threes other guys took at Chino Hills, (laughs) that is... That is somewhat notable. He took, I think it was, um, I think Schmitz had this. Um, they took like 10 threes in his in his years at uh, at Chino Hills. Um, and so it's, so it's just like he hasn't really taken those shots in his career. Um, but I think... Yeah, I, I could talk a little more about the jumper sure. here before you move on. Um, low 70s from the line. He shoots this really high arcer from the line, but it went in at a decent rate. He's got an odd shot that he kind of just shoots it really quickly with almost no dip at all. I'm not sure how that would ever translate to the NBA three-point line. I know people have said that they think he has some shooting potential and that... They then maybe he could play the four but you know i don't think he quite i i don't see him turning into like a combo forward type you know maybe he could play a little bit at the four next to you know your myers leonard type of player or something like that but uh you know i really think he's a natural five he doesn't really have much in the way of ball handling i don't see him as like a pump fake drive to the basket to finish we didn't really see much in the way of his uh jumping off of one foot so that's uh i'm not buying that he's gonna be like a quality nba three-point shooter like you know he'll probably work on it he'll probably get to where he takes a few is that gonna be a weapon for him i would probably hedge towards saying that it's not going to be it's a possibility not a probability um let's see what else offensive rebounding i thought he was wonderful um you know 13 offensive rebound rate just relentless pursuit of the ball great job of like getting tips well and to do that Um, and change ends well when he couldn't get the rebound he got the hell back yeah, that, that's good too. I mean, just to like tip it away from guys, not necessarily tip it in. Um, And, and I, I thought he really like pursuing the ball out of area. I really liked that aspect of him a lot. Um, You know, they didn't do a ton of conventional drop back pick and roll defense for him. I guess we didn't uh, talk about that in the defense. So I'm kind of emptying out my notebook here. Um, You know, he was able to get out on the floor more in kind of a, more of a trapping hedging type of style. I thought that looked pretty decent. You know, he's got the quickness to do that for sure um on defense he's very vulnerable to up fakes yes like he, he went for a, lo- a lot of i have that in my notes too fakes. um and part of that is be, you know because he's very anticipatory he's very reactive as you said and so he'll kind of but he's got to kind of move fast because he's not like the skywalker like he can't just like you know some some shot blockers they can wait for you to shoot it and then jump 
because they just have that type of skywalking ability and he doesn't really have that he's got to really anticipate which he does quite well but that can leave him vulnerable to up fakes um i think that's about all uh, i've got on him i think uh you know he doesn't really have any kind of a turnaround jumper game I, you know i don't i think I, I like the way he fights for position i think if he gets a switch you, know, you can get like a quick entry pass to him on a seal but i don't see his post game being a, a huge weapon for him oh, beyond that I have one more thing NBA, something you want to go to I, I liked his screens i mean not devastating not crushing but it, he screens like he cares which is an important positive for a big man because we see a lot of big men now both good legitimately good ones and not that don't really screen well porzingis is a key culprit here i don't think he's gonna be like an unbelievable finisher we mentioned the lobs already you know his touch around the rim is solid especially on that hook shot but i don't think he has a great feel for just going up uh, against a set defense and shielding the ball and scoring using his body right at the rim um you know i don't think he's gonna just be like dunking on people necessarily uh like he, he can get up for some dunks that look okay if he really has a head of steam but he's not particularly explosive from a standstill you know he's not he's not gonna dunk the ball around the rim if he gets it really like flat foot he's gotta be moving towards the goal to really uh get a nice dunk so i think he's gonna be you know i mentioned wendell carter earlier i think he could be a better finisher than carter has been early where he, carter has kind of struggled with that but i think he's gonna be average uh, at that for an nba center i don't think i'm not i don't think it's gonna be some massive strength of his um so i, I guess we wrap up here then of just what your overall impressions are i don't think I, it is a likelihood or even that he will that okongwu will be a you know an above average starter at the center position he, he, he could be for moments in time but i don't think he's dominant enough at the things he does well and i think that he has specific deficiencies that are hard to fix that will be a big problem and so what i started thinking about with him i was looking back at the 2017 draft and Sure, elite bigs are elite bigs. You know, if, if some of them don't get drafted high. Some of them don't. Some of them do, like MB did, Towns did, Davis. Those guys are their own thing. I don't see a Kongwu in that conversation at all. I don't think that he's that player. No, no sweat off his hide. If he were, then he'd be the number one pick in this class. That next group of like, think they might be pretty good, but not completely sure is such a minefield. And really to me, one of the differentiators is what is their upside? What is their downside? And I think that a Kongwu has a higher floor than some of those guys. Like Justin Patton was in that draft class in 17. Yeah, I I, I think he's going to have, you know, he'll have a 10 yes. year NBA career, even if it's only as a back. I think he plays hard. I think he's smart. I think he's got good instincts. Yeah, so like, he has some skills. Yeah, another guy in that class was Jared Allen. Al, I thought Allen went too low at 22, but I think Allen's going to have a long time, a long time as a pro. And I like, I like Allen. I think I like him better as a prospect than a Kongwu, though they're in very different classes. And I thought Allen was underrated. Um, both guys incidentally went uh, went out of the, th- the freshman year. Um, but so like with a Kongwu, my my general stance is, I, it's not like I wouldn't draft him, but. I'm almost certain that somebody would somebody else like if I were one GM out of 30 would draft him above me above where I did because bigs that don't have that top 10 top 15 upside the the marginal value of one guy versus another is generally pretty low yeah you and I are in agreement I know like Ethan Strauss really likes him Hollinger really likes him I think both of them have talked about him as like a top five type of player and yeah this is what the fourth guy we've looked at now maybe but um you know for those who are like oh yeah I like him better than Wiseman I think that's completely insane um 
um I, I think like Wiseman to me has the physical skills to maybe be a defensive player of the year type of player I do I think that he reaches that no um Wiseman also just has much more ability to just go and get alley-oops I actually even kind of like Wiseman a little bit better as a shooter um although yeah I, I would I wouldn't put my money on one or the other Congress a better free throw shooter well and, um, and, and I, it, I yeah. want another comparison here which is I remember being so much more impressed with the film on Jaron Jackson Jr. than on Okongwu. And also, Jaron's a lot taller. And I thought both guys played primarily power forward in college, next to a big, thinking their role was going to be really different. But I liked Jaron's instincts more. I liked his shooting touch more, which ended up becoming far stronger, far earlier than I ever anticipated. And it's still not necessarily clear that yeah. that... And he's got a 7-5 wing yeah, like that. And I think he showed quicker feet on film um, in uh, in college as well. I mean, Okongwu doesn't foul as much, which is good. Like, he played a lot of minutes. I mean, he's a, he's a smart player. Let me ask you this. If we're wrong about it, like, if we're wrong about him, how does that happen? The finishing translates better, that his, his intelligence and effort translate a little bit better, and that the him being physically dominated just matters less because there are fewer of those players. And, you know, Okongwu might end up being a better regular season guy than postseason guy if those teams with good bigs end up making the postseason more often. You know, like, like you, you could, in a series against Philadelphia, Okongwu would have some real trouble. But in a regular season game against Clint Capella and the Hawks, and Pella's not a bad big, but like, is is he going to get burned in those circumstances? And I don't think he will. Yeah. Yeah, I think where it could go wrong is that I'm just wrong about his defense and it's way better that maybe his instincts are better than I'm giving him credit for. Maybe his shot blocking translates more than I think it's going to. You know, I think like this kind of getting the block as it's out of the guy's hand without fouling in college. You know, I think when you have more athletic NBA guards and bigs that that doesn't work as well. Um, And that maybe he can stay with guys on switches more that he is more versatile than I'm giving him credit for. But I, you know, when I first turned on the film, the first thing that I looked at was was oh this guy's supposed to be switchable like let's check out his isolation defense and i was like yeah it's okay but i'm not just like wowed by this so i mean certainly defense is hard to evaluate but i wasn't just like blown away with the idea that he is going to be some awesome defender maybe i'll be wrong about that but you know so if i as we get back to just where he should fit here you know i definitely would take wiseman because i think he's just the higher upside player is it possible that okongo is a better career than wiseman yeah i'm not throwing that out there at all but i think wiseman is just so much higher upside when you're talking about potentially a top five pick you know if you're if you're gonna say oh the warriors should take this guy like no way no i i don't think so i mean he's kind of he actually kind of reminds me of like a more athletic kavan looney in some ways um with better hips he kind of has that that like long arms uh I mean, not that congress are, are that long but like you know kind of shows up there gets the job done even though he never looks to be moving that quickly he's definitely more athletic than looney but it's like it's a smart player it's kind of it's sort of similar game to that um but yeah i mean if i'm the warriors you know the, which i think is kind of been talking about, oh like they need a center and like he's smart and he just gets the job done and it's like i, I just can't see using a top five pick uh, on a congo i mean there's even you know anthony edwards i think i would i would have like well above him i, I, I think I, even I, even if again a congo could well have a better career than edwards uh but you just the upside of edwards yeah is just well beyond a congo i would agree all right we got a little bit of news to get here we'll, we'll kind of get through it since we're we're pretty deep into this episode already but uh another that we should probably talk about it there's been a little bit of pushback from some players supposedly a conference call with as many as 40 or 50 players according to Woj 
especially on teams that probably aren't going to be title contenders that could get eliminated pretty quickly from the bubble and just the idea of how restrictive it's going to be it really seems to be rankling some guys it now appears that they're going to change the formula a little bit that they only have to quarantine for two days once they get to orlando although they will have obviously been tested when they get back to their facilities as well and there's going to be a, a training camp at facilities for getting to orlando they're going to move the date up now uh july 30th apparently is when they are planning on starting I thought the 31st was a friday right like it kind of seemed weird that they would start on a friday any um and let's see what else is there on this uh, um, well, the, it looks like uh, per Shamstrania that uh, rosters are going to be 17 players as opposed to 15 that they can get the, the there to get to is that is well, well so so I, let me clarify that they are allowed to bring up to 17 yes. players per roster including the two ways into the bubble uh, they previously thought that was 15 but you're only going to be able to have 15 players I think who are active but if there's uh, players testing positive then you can move some of those other players into your active roster or if you have guys who are out for the season like the nets for example you can just make your two-way guys part of your your 15 and then you're only gonna have 13 active for each game um also they changed who you're allowed to sign during the transaction period now it had previously been that you could only get players who either had been in the nba or a training camp or g league this year it didn't really make sense to me to exclude you know your jamal crawfords and jr smiths like why do that they hadn't been under contract anywhere else so it now seems like if a player had previously played in the nba and wasn't under contract this season they also will be available smith and crawford of course are the two uh most notable of those well then the other important thing to talk about it's still coming fully into shape but the idea that players for health reasons or not health reasons will be able to decline to go into the bubble to when to restart the season uh and and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like how many players are going to take advantage of it but that they that they they will have to sacrifice the game checks for the games they the the seeding games that they miss because that's how things are structured but there won't be any other sorts of consequences that we know of. a few other notes free agency is expected to begin on october 18th although it might technically begin uh at 6 p.m eastern on october 17th and all of the dates that had to be worked out are basically now just going to operate pretending as if july 1st is october 18th so if you had to, your guarantee date was july 3rd now it's going to be october 20th basically so that's the most sensible solution obviously trade exception same way to the warriors iguodala trade exception for example that was going to expire on july 6th now it'll be six days after october 8th and it'll be interesting to see so that'll make interesting to see how they handle the moratorium because they're assuming they come to the the, an agreement on the cap a different way there isn't necessarily the requirement to have as long of a moratorium as they do though i think one will still exist because part of the benefit that gets lost i've written pieces arguing in favor of the moratorium before is it allows teams to combine and organize transactions in a better way than if it was just you get you can sign the contracts day one of free agency but maybe it goes to two days instead of four or five and that could be really good for restricted free agents because one of the complications in those is that it ties up a team's cap space so I, I would argue especially if they're not determining the cap through the normal process that they should shorten the moratorium but still have one. yeah we still of course don't know what the 
cap number is going to look like that's all going to have to get negotiated also the players have not officially approved i mean they had this vote where they had player reps from the 22 teams agree that they're just generally going to try to do this orlando thing in the general outlines but there hasn't yet apparently been agreement it was hoped to come this week but maybe it's going to have to get pushed back a little bit more on just exactly what some of the restrictions are going to be around the bubble i mean and this is this is a tough sell for the nba because with the rest of the country opening up i mean we've seen john morant and trey young and uh you know nikola Jokic. there's video of him today just in a gym just palling around with people under completely normal circumstances and so i think there's this feeling of like all right everything's fine now we've reopened i mean some states are gonna have it seems like nearly zero restrictions whatsoever by the time we have to get into this and players are gonna be like well hey why do i have to do all this do all this stuff when there aren't restrictions in the outside world and it's like well if you want to actually stay safe and have a season and be in contact with people you are gonna have to do this anyway so it seems like the timing of relaxing of restrictions is gonna be uh a tough sell to be sure um finally uh the games are going to be called remotely until the conference finals at least so they're not going to be broadcasters in the bubble and it had originally been rumored to be sam mitchell instead now it's going to be brian shaw who's going to be coach of that new nba g league elite pro team is is what they are calling it the now, one with Jalen uh, green and yeah that, that and they're picking up some other people they may even get more because who knows what the hell is going to happen with college basketball this year uh anything to talk about before we go yeah my my off-season preview series for The Athletic officially launched with the Warriors and the Cavaliers might be coming out on Friday. Expect all of the Delete 8 to be out by the start of the season and then the other ones will be ready as they as they launch. Also, Real GM Radio will be out probably on Friday, so keep an eye on my Twitter feed for that. So we'll have you know, lots, lots of listening between this and the COVID pod and this pod and, and Hollinger and Duncan for people if they're looking for content. Yeah, and a quick note, by the way, Hollinger and Duncan, we're going to be doing every other week for a little bit, so don't expect that uh, to be out this week. We're going to take that off because, as mentioned, we basically have like a straight-up year of either basketball or transactions coming starting in July 30th now, so we're going to try and take a little bit of a break. Um, and I've still got the COVID pod going uh, as well. We're four days uh, a week on that. That, uh, in case you're wondering, has not gone away. So if you uh, want to get the lowdown on what the latest is with the coronavirus uh, i think humbly i will say that i think is the best one-stop shop for doing that uh all right we'll talk to y'all either sunday or monday till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.